Welcome to Lit with Larry. I'm Larry. I'm Jesse. Let's get lit. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. It's hard to cheer when you don't have another glass here. Here we go. I got this one. Cheers. Yeah. So it's <laughs> April 24th. Um, another long week in quarantine in the basement for me. Uh, I see JB's in his, his dining room, so he's got a little bit more light. And uh Looks like Larry's still at the baseball stadium. Yep. Go Yankees. <laughs> yeah. Go Yankees. Go to Arizona. <laughs> when's, I, and I may have asked you this on the last one of these, but when's the last time you went to a Yankees game? Uh, about three years ago. Okay. So it's not uh, been too far. Yeah. Yeah. It's um. So I, I was living on the Upper East Side, which was walking distance to the uh, one, in, one train, which uh, pretty much takes you right to the Yankee Stadium. So... I would wake up at 11 in the morning, go to StubHub, find a, uh, I'm in the bleachers, uh, section 428, which is above the visitor dugout, and I'd get a ticket for $9, uh, a yeah. 275 train ride, a $10 beer, $3 bag of nuts, and for 20 bucks, I had a great day. Yeah, I think you told us that last time, now I'm remembering. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, what are you drinking today? And in a, in a, on a side note, this isn't necessarily a Larry rant, but um, our sponsor provided us more drinks today, a nice bottle, a couple of bottles of wine. And I will talk about that when I go, when I go tell everyone what I'm drinking. So I call Larry and say, Hey, Larry, uh, I've got this nice bottle of wine from Ernie's um, General Kevin donated because he's our number one sponsor and best sponsor. And um, so uh, Larry was like, no, I don't want that. I've got too much good stuff at home. So in my mind, I didn't say anything at the time because I was saving it for right now. I want to know, like, what is this good stuff that you have? Because I know that you have shitty vodka and high life. <laughs> so what is it that you have, Larry? Well, these, these are dozens of bottles that were brought back from the vineyards of Napa and Sonoma. And these are like many of your collectible bourbons. You know, these are vintages and uh and bottles that are not available virtually for any price, and they've held well. Um, the you know corks. And that's what good. you're going to be drinking today. No, I'm not going to be drinking that today. I'm going to be drinking some cheap vodka in <laughs> that's a what I thought. <laughs> special in a special recipe, which I doubt many people have even heard of, let alone had. And it's referred to as a Korean Bloody Mary. And so, what makes it Korean is that it's got kimchi which is the national dish of Korea, and uh, the spice called jochujan, which is a Korean chili pepper paste, uh, regular tomato juice in my case, uh, all mashed up, a tiny dash of lemon juice, salt and pepper, and a uh, celery stick, and it is yummy. It has got a little Sounds bit good. of bite, very little bit chewy, because it's not. Uh, I didn't strain it, which... If I was at a bar, I'd probably want to do. And it's it's 4 p.m., 4.30 p.m. here on a, on Friday. Um, most people have Bloody Marys when they just wake up. So are you telling us that you're just waking up for the day? No, no, no. Um, I got I got all of three hours of sleep last night. So I've been up uh, since about 1 o'clock. So I guess it could be the next morning. But uh, yeah. Jesse knows this. Up. That's one of my pet peeves is – the Bloody Mary is a morning drink, except if you're in New Orleans on a Friday afternoon and they have three for one Bloody Marys, you know, <laughs> at, at the boot or at your, uh, 
a Bourbon Street, uh, you know, hang live bar. Yeah, yeah. I like I like a mid afternoon Bloody Mary. I'm just gonna say it. It's it's like having an appetizer uh, with alcohol in it. So yeah. It's a nice snack. You get that tomato juice or V8 or whatever. You get some vegetables in you before you, you know, carry on with your all day buzz. Well, yeah. I agree too. Um, Cause you know, I'm going to contradict myself, which I'm good at. Um, but on airplanes or in the Delta sky club, I don't like, like they only have for bourbon. They only have what, um, Woodford Reserve or Jack Daniels, which I don't really care for either of those. So I don't really want to drink that. And a Bloody Mary, you can never go wrong with or champagne. Right. I would, I would argue that you can go wrong with Bloody Marys because the tin, there's, there's certain places like the tin roof has a terrible Bloody Mary. I know that's a college bar and you shouldn't be ordering it there anyways. I meant on the airplane or in the sky club. Yeah. Like at any hour of the day. Yeah. On the airplane, you're getting that can of V8, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. No, actually, I get Mrs. T on Delta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. The spicy it's, ones in the tea. Yeah. Sometimes if I'm on the clock, I'll just drink the the canned mix and not alcohol in it. Yeah. Exactly. I've done that. I, I do that on um, some overnight, you know, red eye flights. Or if I have to get up at 4 a.m. to get there, then I'll, I'll drink uh, tomato juice. Gets the juices flowing. Yep. Being the uh, cheap shit I am, if I'm on an expense account, I'll... I'll get the Bloody Mary and pocket the the vodka and just drink the. <laughs> Hell yes! <laughs> Wait, and I had a question. When you went back to this last baseball game, like you didn't get up until eleven in the morning. You said wake up at eleven and then go to StubHub and buy the ticket. Like, uh, were you no. really sleeping in that long? Oh no, no. On the weekends uh, with with the boys, it's usually up by uh, eh, typically by nine at the latest. And uh, one boy runs out for bagels. The other one. Uh, starts teeing up the bacon and pancakes, and uh, so now, now it's just um, it's, it, it's the timing of waiting till eleven because um, the people that don't sell at say nine that want to go on with their day and don't want to you know mess with it. Gotcha. It gets down, and so gotcha. it's super easy doing it that way. And, uh, and anyway, so it's easy, convenient, and then you know at eleven I can decide whether or not I want a bloody mary or if I actually want to go out. So. Yeah. Here's another random question. When you go to New York City to visit your sons, do you stay with your yes, still married wife but yeah. technically ex-wife? Your yeah. healthcare yeah. your healthcare sugar mama? <laughs> yes, exactly. That's, okay. that's a good characterization. Hope she's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> I hope she is. <laughs> well, um well, JB and I are both drinking this 1924 limited edition double black 2017 vintage cab. Um, and wow. that's, this was provided to, uh, to us by our sponsor, uh, Ernie's. So big shout out to Kevin and Justin over there. Thank you for con- your continued support. Um, you know, when I go in there now, they, they always ask me, are you doing the podcast? You know, what, what do you want? What do you want? And I usually say, you know, we're fine. And he always ends up dropping something in my box. So, um, thank you for this. It was really good. Um, yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a big cab fan, uh, but this is very smooth, and it has. Uh, I'm not going to give a, a, uh, a, a critique of it because I don't know the nomenclature, but it's smooth and uh, does have a fruitful taste. It's not too overpowering or anything like that. 
Yeah, and the the story behind like the 1924 brand is that it's um, it's a prohibition style wine apparently. Um, so it actually says that it's supposed to be fruity like that because they were using kind of whatever they could get their hands on to make the wine at, at the time. Um, it says a little bit about that back here. Um, um, so that's a pro that's prohibition style Cabernet right there. The problem with me now that know now in COVID lockdown is. But if I open a bottle of something like this, you know, I have to finish it before bed. Oh yeah. My wife and I had drank a bottle of the blood of Christ before noon on Easter. <laughs> and but that's two of you splitting it. Yeah. That's, that's just mano y mano over here. But yeah. The, I, yeah. I was uh, drunk at church on Easter with uh, mimosas. Online church. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, well, yeah. I mean, it was a great, it was a great Easter. Not really. It was a terrible Easter, but you got to make the best of what you got, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, this wouldn't be a lit with Larry if I wasn't double fisting. So I've also got a nice uh, bottle of Whistle Pig 10-year-old. So, Oh, nice. Um, delicious rye. Uh, it's a Vermont rye, actually. It's just really smooth and easy to drink. Nice. Um, what are you drinking, JB? Uh, Coors Banquet on top of that? No, I just... I mean, I just stopped drinking coffee like 20 minutes ago. So I've got, I've just got the wine. I have a cup of water, a cup of coffee with my uh, horchata in it, the rye and the wine. I got four, I got four glasses in front of me. Oh my, you guys are making me crazy. And here I've got a uh, Bloody Mary. Larry, did you, were you able to get on the base 110? Shout out to base 110 as our, one of our other sponsors and uh, normal studio. Were you able to get on the freelance Friday today? I was not. I was okay. uh, actually on, a, on another call. I keep missing it. Uh, I missed it what, too. Yeah. Okay. We'll get a report from Meredith and see, see what interesting things were discussed today. The, um, well, it seems unfortunate that, um, you know, there's uh, the, the good news is I've started to like aggressively reach out through my contact list and just touch base with friends that I haven't spoken to for in some cases, a couple of years, wow. and, you know, reaching out and just saying, Hey, you know, just touching base, letting you know, asking what's going on, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, it's been very interesting because um, people are hugely appreciative, you know, that I'm, you know, initiating it. And uh, it's obviously not very hard <laughs> to do with an email or a text. And uh, I've been uh, filling up the dance card quite a bit these days. So, Jesse, what do you think? What's on the Let's, agenda today? You know well, something that I don't? <laughs> well, no. Pro yeah, probably a lot, Larry. Um, <laughs> yeah, so last week we did, we did something you don't know about me. Um, you know, that was the theme. So Larry said some things that we didn't know about him, and, and Meredith participated as well, um, which was really nice. That was a cool story. But um, this week, I thought we thought it would be a good idea to, to just say, okay, well, there's probably a lot up in Larry's head that I don't know, and, and maybe vice versa. Who knows? Um, I don't claim to be a master of anything, but I, maybe there's something that, that I know that Larry doesn't know about. And we came up with a few topics, um, so we're just going to kind of see where this goes. But I mentioned to Larry, because Larry, you tagged me in something on Facebook. Yes. with some kind of 5G. And I know that's conspiracy theory and that's probably, we probably talked about it on that episode and offline a little bit, but I honestly, 
other than knowing that I'm connecting to my phone or the internet through 5G. Um, I know very little about um, what that actually means. And I know that there's some people, there are some people who say that's dangerous and it's emitting some kind of bad stuff. Right. Um, so you're, you're the master of this. So why don't you enlighten me on the, the conspiracy theory around 5G? Yeah, so uh, it, it's really rather hysterical. And uh, it, it's a combination of actual conspiracy theory uh, and uh, a bunch of just wackos. And then it's grown into a meme with, uh, with people flying around with, uh, with bullshit. And so the picture I sent to Jesse was with a tower. And you all know what towers look like. There are these white poles. And at the top, there's these pan- about you know, six panels you know, around the pole. And those panels are microwave panels. And they, they are pointed at other towers all around. So they, uh, from an aerial view, they form like a honeycomb matrix, uh, usually about five to six miles distance. And the picture was one being like a rocket. And the joke about 5G was that 5G is responsible for uh, spreading uh, the coronavirus uh, through its microwave radiation, which couldn't be more funny for anyone that understands anything about microwave radiation or uh, 5G telecommunications. And the the science, if I'll go in for another 30 seconds here. No, uh, every, you have as much time as you want. I, I want to know. Okay. Well, um, the uh, you're you are old enough uh, to remember like two G, three G, four G. We're in four G right now. OG, uh, have original a, gangster. Yep, <laughs> all <laughs> of them. Yep, uh, PG, which you still can't go to. <laughs> yeah, but um, you know, five G is the next generation, and uh, each generation involves different bandwidth. Okay, and so this gets a little tricky. The easiest way to think about bandwidth is thinking about highways. They've got a, a one lane, you've got a two lane, three lane, four lane, five lane. And uh, while the extension doesn't really uh, continue, but you get the idea that if it's a four lane that goes to a five lane, you get you know, more throughput, your speed's faster, life is better. Uh, and so, in fact, they announced that uh, 6G is probably pending uh, uh, in the next couple of years. And as you do that, um, you add new spectrum. And so spectrum is, is re- uh, referred to as like bandwidth. So it goes from, well, I'm not going to go there. there. There's just a broad range of spectrum. But in physics, it's a finite amount. There is only so much spectrum. A bunch is allocated to the military. A bunch is allocated to commercial. A bunch is allocated to just general people, like ham radio operators have their own spectrum. And uh, so the telcos have their own spectrum. Your Wi-Fi network has its own spectrum. Well, yep. what, what makes spectrum finite? Physics. 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 You know, okay. It's kind of like so it, light. So it's has, not like, so, but so it's not like we, we build and pump out more satellites into outer space and we have more, more bandwidth and spectrum. It's not, it's no. different than that. Right. Yeah. No, okay. there's, there's only so much. It's kind of like, remember your uh, periodic table of, of elements? You know, there's, you know, when, when I was young, there was like, uh, I think, two, uh, 212. And now I think they're up to like 260 uh, elements as they've created some thin- synthetics uh, that don't actually exist in nature, but they've created them in labs. And anyway, so physics says there's only so much of something. And uh, 
for example, like light waves, uh, you know, like UV because you slather your kids with uh, uh, sunscreen. And so that's a thing that burns you, but there's visible light spectrum, you know, that allows us to see, et cetera, et cetera. So, so I know a lot about uh, this kind of uh, uh, spectrum analysis. I've done stuff with satellites. I've worked with uh, AT&T, Sprint, <coughs> France Telecom, British Telecom, MCI, and a bunch of other companies. And it's been, um, you know, just kind of an interesting uh, little side thing of knowing stuff uh, as just an amateur. I mean, just a, a regular kind of business marketing guy. So and, what, but why do they, you, I know that you said the conspiracy theory piece was about the coronavirus, right? right? But, but why does everyone say that 5g is dangerous? And I know you sent me the picture, the picture you tagged me on, you didn't send it to me, you tagged me. So if you right, look up yeah. photos of Jesse, that's the first one that pops up. <laughs> and thanks for that. You make me look like a foil head, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, they have chemtrails, right? Yes. So, what um, uh, that's what it says with cultivated viruses in it. So what yeah. is so dangerous about 5G or well, it's, you why, know, why does everybody say like 5G is such an issue for humans and the environment? Well, uh, at the dawn of cell phones, well, actually, I shouldn't say the dawn, uh, the, the dawn of regular popular mass media cell phones, uh, somebody came out with the fact that these things emit radiation. True. Okay, they do. That's the way the, the signals travel. And because of that, radiation is bad. We were all taught that, nuclear meltdowns and all of those kinds of things. So therefore, if you're holding this thing up against your head, you're getting radiation. Yep, max headroom, we're all getting radiation. And so that interpreted or uh, extrapolated into uh, that kind of radiation was dangerous to you. But what people forgot was that just because you had the headphone up to your ear, doesn't mean that that radiation wasn't there anyways, <laughs> you know? I mean, if, if you get a, a voltmeter and other kinds of tools of measurement, uh, you know, the, the signals are all around you, you know? I mean, your Wi-Fi uh, router is broadcasting 2.5 and 5.0 gigahertz signals 24-7. You're sleeping, right. you're getting them. You're awake, you're getting them. You're on the computer, you're getting them. And so the conspiracy theory was that the... The uh, cell phones held up to your head emitting radiation was going to cause cancer. And the better, faster, more powerful, the better, worse, you know, more dangerous it was going to be to do that. So, so the, I don't recall the picture that you tagged Jesse in, but I have seen a picture that shows um, 5G towers like catching on fire because there's, they're having so much usage right now. Is that true or is that a conspiracy too? No. Uh, well, the fire is 100% true. Uh, the other part is not. Uh, that's arson. It's actually been, you know, the, these nuts are actually torching these towers. So they, they are not exploding. They're not, you know, themselves <laughs> malfunctioning at all. I mean, people, particularly, I, I recall particularly in the U.K., for some reason, they're, they are literally like torching <laughs> these towers uh, because they're afraid of them, which is really rather bizarre because I think they're torching 4G towers, not 5G towers. You know, five, another thing is that different, so like your, uh, your Wi-Fi router has 2.4 gigahertz and 5.0 gigahertz. So yeah. 2.4 is weaker 100% of the time but goes further, almost twice as far 
That's the 5G. The 5G is almost always twice as fast, but half the distance. Yeah. So, so wait, wait, wait. I was, I right, was doing this on. this week at my house because I have that. And I'm all, I don't have cable anymore. So everything goes over Wi-Fi. My, yep. my YouTube TV and everything. So I wanted to hook my TVs. I wanted to put my TVs on the 5 because I thought it would be more reliable and faster. Uh, uh, but I've discovered that the, uh, at least Samsung doesn't con- connect to a 5. It will only connect to a 2.4. Uh, well, do, you, but my, do you have um, fiber or standard internet? Well, it's cable or fiber. Yeah, I mean uh, cable. Oh, I have yeah. fiber. You have MetroNet. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, my, my televisions all connect to 5G. Um, well, but my, the question I have with you, Larry, you said faster and farther. Where are these things trying to go? Well, so like it can't go through your walls. Like the 5G won't go through your walls as far as the 2G will. Right. Gotcha. You mean like for signal to connect to it? Yes. Gotcha. Right. So, yeah. so do you know what a sine wave is? You know, it's uh, you know, you see those things where they're like hills and valleys, and the computer, you know, the the monitor, like the heart monitor, goes, you know, um, up and down in like a wave. It, no, when you said sine wave, all I could think of was that guy that used to stand on Richmond Road with his, his sign for <laughs> the car wash and wave at everyone. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> that's a different sine wave. But uh, you know, yeah. in phys- in physics, sine waves. Um, have different lengths and because of the lengths uh, like uh, nuclear submarines have um, a transmission system that use is ultra long waves and so these waves are measured in like kilometers uh, versus um, some of the uh, the cellular networks are measured in inches in the waves. so therefore your antennas have to be very different so that's that's enough about phones. Well, you know what, I've got a closing go question for you. Yep. And this may be like this may be a reoccurring theme theme in this podcast that I I'm just deciding and coming up with. <laughs> so, what do you think is more deadly to human beings? I'm going to go 5G or maybe just put radiation in one big category. Okay. Corn syrup. Uh huh. Or chairs. Not just corn syrup. High fructose corn syrup. Yeah. Right? Whatever. High fructose yeah. corn syrup. Or chairs, put them in most deadly to least deadly. Hmm. Chairs, as in like what we're sitting in. Just yeah, as in like sitting down for eight hours right. a day. Right. That's right. kind of what I was getting. At. You have, you stand it at base one ten. Yeah, yeah. That's why I, I brought that. that's why that's why I threw that one in there because I threw you like a little curveball there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, hands down of the the three choices, uh, high fructose corn syrup, any anything that resembles uh, unnatural sugar. Or actually, I couldn't shouldn't call it unnatural, but uh, high fructose corn syrup and similar uh, products are without a doubt the most deadliest. Uh, we're suffering from uh, that right now. It's very obvious that our obesity epidemic uh, epidemic in America, where we've got forty percent of the population that's obese, is is highly driven uh, by too much sugar. Um, uh, the second thing is. Um, I'm pretty positive the the chair thing is is above radiation, although uh, not by much. You know, I mean, I think they the, those two kind of rank with your your uh, likelihood of getting hit by lightning. Uh, you know, pretty darn small. Uh, 
you know, even if you included radiation being like Chernobyl and uh, Fujiyama. I'm, I'm talking day-to-day radiation, not yeah. accident radiation. No, I mean, r- right now um, in common America, that's just not an issue. I mean, the only issue that I've ever heard remotely, even remotely similar to that, is that belief of, you know, staring into the microwave oven and, you know, getting, getting brain damage. What about, so if I threw in global warming, where would you put that? Well, you know, that, that, that's, an, uh, that's a place that has uh, a lot of opinions, a lot of scientific facts. I know, and I want yours. Um, I happen to think that, that global warming is definitely going to be a, a, uh, a reason that uh, in probably 30 to 40 years, you know, a billion people will die from implications of global warming. Uh, and a lot of that implications and why I say such a huge number uh, has to do with rain, uh, availability of uh, potable water, and food, food crops. Um, the, you know, the, the Midwest um, well, breadbasket yeah, I mean, may become are, a desert. All of those things are related, right? I mean, yeah. if it doesn't rain, you don't have the potable water and you don't have, your crops are dead. Right. And that's, yeah. that's why I think, yeah. not, you know, it's not this rising sea tide. It's like, yeah, that's going to hurt. But, you know, it's not going to rise fast enough where you can't walk away from it. Yeah. Yep. I was just wanting to throw that in there to see, see where you landed on that one. Yeah. Well, thanks, Jesse. And, and uh, flip it around. Uh, what, what do you think is, is going to be more dangerous? Um, uh, 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 eating uh, unhealthy? Uh, yes. Drinking too much alcohol? Or uh, <laughs> not uh, having enough uh, exercise? <laughs> oh, all right. Well, I think everything starts in the kitchen. Uh, like any, if you want to lose weight, 80% of it's in the kitchen. Uh, so I guess I would put that there and then probably alcohol and then probably exercise. All right. Um, well, that's, that's a good, that's a good segue on the exercise because there's one thing that I know, you know, Jesse, a lot about, and I know pretty much nothing. I don't even know. I, I don't even think I know how to spell it. Uh, but that's, uh, I think you're wearing a rugby shirt. So talk, talk to me about rugby. I did. I'm, as you know, I'm in the process of moving and I had all of my rugby stuff packed up, ready to go. And I opened the boxes to dig this old boy out. This is a really old Lexington Blackstones rugby jersey. That's much tighter than it used to be. (laughs) Um, yeah. So I brought it out for this podcast. How about that? We were sponsored at the time by Kentucky bourbon barrel ale. So that was pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. What do you want to know about rugby? So I played, I played for 13 years, basically on and off. So I played in, you know, since I was a freshman in college uh, until uh, a little bit, until my son, first son was about nine months old, probably. Um, And then continued to play some various less, uh, less impact versions for a year or two after that, but I haven't played for a long time and it shows. (laughs) So, so what was the worst uh, impact injury that you've had in your career? My sophomore year in college, um, I never broke a bone, knock on wood. Um, never had to get stitches, uh, knock on wood. But um, my sophomore year, I dislocated my right elbow. So I was running and I planted, I was getting tackled and I planted my arm on the ground and somebody went full speed with their shoulder just right into my elbow. So Ouch. my bicep was where my fingers should should have been in my you know the top the bottom part of 
where that attaches was up where my shoulder kind of should have been and a little, not that bad, but you know, you get the point. Right. There was a big, there was a big gap where things were, where they shouldn't have been. Um, so that was awful. I was in a cast for six weeks. Um, and then my, my elbow was frozen, um, kind of stuck like this. Right. And so I had to, I had to sleep in this, uh, device where I would crank it at night to straighten my arm out and it was spring loaded. So I had to sleep like with my arm up in the air like this or, or like this. Oh, good. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, like I, I didn't have, that was the most serious injury and I consider myself lucky for that. Um, I, I hit my head a lot, <laughs> which probably shows, it probably goes back to like last week when I said, you know, something you know, don't know about me is that I used to be really smart. Um, <laughs> right. Bang my head too much. And the thing is, like, you hit you hit your head a lot, and then immediately following the game, you go and chug beers. So it's not a good combination. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so uh, Americans are not really into rugby. I've never seen a game. I don't know the rules. I don't know uh, even team formations. Why don't you give us, uh, you know, quick primer about like, you know, what what's rugby? Why is it different than you know football and soccer and and any other sport? I would, I would just interject too, saying like, I don't think that that statement you made was correct saying that Americans don't know anything about rugby. I think they're, I'd say Americans know more about rugby than lacrosse, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, rugby is a Or cricket for that matter. Rugby is a faster growing sport than lacrosse. I mean, it, it, two years ago is the fastest growing sport in America. And I don't know if it's still, you know, I haven't really kept up with that. I do know that USA rugby, um, because of this COVID just filed for bankruptcy. So that kind of sucks. Mm. Um, so the overarch, like the NFL of rugby, um, just filed for bankruptcy. Um, uh, rugby, there are two, there are lots of different games you could play, but there are two main ones that there's a 15 person version, which is called rugby union. Um, and that's the, that's the main, that's the main kind of old school international rugby that you'll see. Um, you'll see played not in the Olympics because the Olympics is a different version, but um, you'll see played uh, more often in the United States, I would say than any other kind. Um, and then there's the sevens version, which is the same, same size field. Um, but it's just with seven people instead of 15. So those people are going to be faster, um, lighter, smaller, and just in better shape. With a 15th version, you have eight big big dudes that you call the uh, forwards, and then you have seven smaller dudes like me. I'm not a necessarily a smaller dude, but we all have nice hair and you know don't have the big scars across our heads. But we're the fast guys who make who make the game look good. <laughs> and the pack the packies are the grunts that do all the work. If you can imagine <laughs> that. Um, but I I played for a long time. Uh, wing, which is like the last position on the outside. It's like your free safety wide receiver position. It's usually like the fastest person on the team or, you know, one of the two or three fastest people on the team. So, you know, the goal was to get it out, create space and get it out to me. And I would just run as far as I could. Um, But I was big, you know, I weighed, you know, right now I'm over 200 pounds, but in my prime, I was probably 195 pounds. Um, and I was just as fast as anybody on, on the field. Um, so in college, you know, because I went to a smaller school and, um, you know, everybody's brand new to rugby, 
the person that I played against was typically straight off the soccer field and weighed about 130 to 140 pounds. And my coach, everybody on my team was like, Jesse needs to not play out there. He's too big. Um, but my coach would be like, what are you talking about? Look at this mismatch. <laughs> so I would just, <laughs> you know, I had a lot of times where I'm just running over those little guys. So, um, I love the game. It's amazing. Um, but if you, the Olympics, the Olympics came, came back, uh, I think, I think it was played in like the 1920s maybe was the last time. And then it came back for the last Olympics. Um, and that's the seven person game. Um, and I, we did okay. The United States, we didn't win, but we did okay in that tournament. Oh, that's uh, great. You have like the fat, the two fastest people in rugby are on the United States sevens teams right now, which are Perry Baker and Carla Niles. They're both, um, Carla Niles was, a uh, got like, he missed qualifying for the uh, U.S. Olympic team for the 100-meter dash and 50-meter dash by one person. Um, so somebody recruited him, similar to the, like Cool Runnings and the, the bobsled, <laughs> um, that whole story. They, they recruited him to play rugby, and then uh, Perry Baker kind of took a same path um, where huh. he was recruited to, to be a sprinter, didn't make the team, and then came over to the rugby field. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, so what's rugby in Lexington? Sir? Wait, can I ask a question first? Um, yep. So the traditional 15-man union is closest resembles what we think of as American football, right? So you've got the line, and then you have the second line of the running backs or receivers, and right? Yeah, I mean, it's closer. The 15 version is closer than the 7 version to American football, for sure. Right. Exactly. But it's, it, it's also like, you know, I always used to, for people have no idea what, what it is. And, you know, Americans have no idea what the game is. It's, it's like a combination of soccer and football, American football, because um, the game never stops. You know, the only stops for penalties. There's not like downs and all of that. Right. Kind of stuff. Um, so that, that makes it similar to soccer, but then you have all the contact of American football. So in the sevens though, um, do you just give up? Like, do you just three or four people block at the line or do you just kind of give up blocking and it's just everyone yeah, running well, downfield and then the, oppo- the opposing team trying to play man-to-man defense? Well, there's no, there's no blocking. You know, you know, there's a scrum where you push and fight for the ball. Yeah. So, yeah, you, there's still a scrum, but it's a three-man scrum versus an eight-man scrum. Okay. And those three people, like, there's not really – typically, there's not a lot of pushing that goes on. Um, it just go, you know, you roll it in and usually the team that should get the ball gets the ball. Yep. Unless it's similar to, in, um, kind of similar to in Nebraska and may, maybe to an effect in Ohio, they don't have it now, but when I was growing up, the smaller towns had eight man or six man football. Right. Yeah. That's a big Texas um, thing too. I think they've done away with six man. There's still eight man football for like the really small towns have it yeah it's probably similar to that it's a faster game right yeah more you have to, you're more limited to what you can do because you don't have a line to protect yeah as big of a line i guess right so sorry larry but there are but uh, i'll put you down the course there's two there's a men's and women's adult league in addition to a uh college um are you talking about rugby and lexington yeah yeah, so UK has a really good team. Um, club team, club, that's what I Club team, they've come a long way. They've won the SEC, I think, for the past three years. Um, and so they're, they're really good. Their program's been built up a lot since I've been here. And then 
Lexington has a men's club and a women's club. So, you know, if you're anybody can go and play, you don't have to have any knowledge of the game. It's not super competitive. Um, and also, you, you know, you have, you have the first half, the second half, and then the third half. And the third half is everybody eating and drinking together and being merry. Uh, it is a gentleman's game, so you might punch someone on the field, but after the game, everything's squashed and everybody just wants to have a good time. Sounds great. Yeah, well, I think we're... For, for you, Jesse, as a new, younger professional in Lexington, um, in your first job, there was a wide variety of ages. Like, when you move to a new city, you like your first friends group are the people you work with, right? Right. But in, in our work environment... Uh, it's a little bit different because we're around each other 24 seven, 365. So you need to get outside friends. And um, when you and Jen both moved to Lexington full time, the rugby club kind of became your, your other source friend base source, right? Yeah. I mean, that's where, I mean, some of my closest friends still are. And the, the good thing about rugby is all you need are basically, you know, a mouthpiece and some cleats and you can play rugby. Um, and you don't even really need those things. So when I traveled a lot for work, I just, I had my cleats in my, my trunk and my mouthpiece in my trunk. And I would just look up and just go to practices whenever I could and go have a beer with the team afterwards. And it was just a nice time instead of sitting in a hotel room by myself, it was nice to get that exercise and you get to hang out with some people, learn some new things. So, um, I always did that when, um, you know, when I traveled. Yeah, so that's, you know, that's the key. You, you move to a new city, you look up rugby and people are going to be like, Hey, absolutely come play with us. And you literally have a $40 investment with some boots and a mouthpiece and you're good to go. When we did that project in Wilmington, you, you played a couple, at least two tournaments for them, right? Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I went, I was supposed to play for the university team and then uh, the Marines started showing up. So I, I said, you know what, I'm going to go play with the Marines. <laughs> and we beat the shit out of those kids. <laughs> yeah, I said, you know what, I'm, I'm 23. I'm going to go play with the old boys. And uh, it was awesome. It was All really right. fun. You well, know, I think that, we're, yeah, I think we're about that, in time. How about, a, how about a cheer? Yeah, cheers. cheers. Have a great weekend, everybody. Yep. With Larry. To all of our listeners, we're looking for suggestions. Anything you want to talk about, we're ready to go. And make sure you get lit. And we haven't had any good uh, viewer emails lately. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to check in on that. Um, I don't know if we're still recording or not, but yeah, it's yes. funny because a bunch of people from my hometown are now texting me saying, man, I'm listening to the podcast. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Larry, I, you need to get some listeners. I've got at least 100 people on this thing. I've been posting around. It's like, you know, nobody believes I'm worth listening to. That's We've problem. got um, Dan from Base 110 is listening. So, he t- has been texting me that he's working his way through the episodes. Nice. I have a friend um, who I have, I have a friend who I want to bring on, uh, Jar Jar JB. You know him. Yeah. His uh, his family owns a couple of gun ranges, and he's kind of a gun expert. Um, so I think that would be a well timed guest to have leading up to the November election. Him to talk about the gun market <laughs> because he's yeah. uh, he's because they can't keep guns on the shelf right now because this COVID and an election season, they're just making money fist you know hand over fist. Oh my goodness! She's better than Obama. Prob- no, I mean the the Hillary scare was a huge bump for them too. 
this. Yeah. So, I mean, that, those are the questions we can ask him though. And I mean, he's, he's hilarious anyways. Right. Um, but it'd be fun. Right. I think, you know, guests are fun and if they're willing to do it, we'll, I'll start trying to recruit some for sure. Yeah. And we can drink some bullet bourbon, right? Yeah. And I got some dipshit friends that also want to be on and I'm like, yeah, I'll ask the producer. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, all right. Thank you all for listening. We shouted out already to, uh, the Ernie's, the base 110. And what about HOA? Oh, payhoa.com. Yeah, yeah, check it out. Yeah, exactly. And the Lexington, shout out to the Lexington. But, oh, I, I know we're done here, but I wanted to tell you, I told you I had that Zoom story. Okay, we're still recording for the last bit of Zoom story. Well, you can, uh, I mean, you can cut, slice and dice this, but... Let, so typically rugby's canceled this season. You know, the whole sp- there's a spring season, a fall season. We canceled this spring season, or they did. Um, and there's a Kentucky Cup trophy that um, actually Kentucky Yale provided to us uh, a few few years ago, about ten years ago. And uh, so every year, Louisville and Lexington play each other for the K- Kentucky Cup. But because we couldn't play this year, they couldn't play. They did a boat race on zoom last night, Larry, do you know what a boat race is? Nope. So it's where they had, they had teams of five and basically you chug a beer each on the way down five. And then the anchor chugs two beers and then it goes back. And so they did the best two out of three on zoom. Um, Louisville ended up winning, unfortunately, uh, but there were 40 at the peak. There were 42 people watching. It was pretty sweet. Nice. Yeah. It's pretty fun. I mean, just kind of making do still trying to, because we kind of, you play the same teams twice or three times a year. Um, so you become friends with them, you know, and uh, it's kind of cool to catch up with everyone. All right. All right. Anyways, yep. include that. Don't include it. I don't give a fuck. Yep. All <laughs> right. So um, we'll catch up with everyone again next week. New podcast will be up over the weekend. Talk to you soon. Goodbye. Bye.